It's time to decide. You must choose your subscription box. Do you want fluffy, fuzzy things? Do you want a watch that you'll barely even wear? How about more collectibles to fill the shelves in your room? No! You don't want that. You want horror movies, and you want them on DVD. No, you want them on Blu-ray. Well, buddy, it must be an omen, because here I am, and here's HorrorPack.com. Join HorrorPack.com for $19.99 a month and get three killer DVD movies plus one exclusive. Or join up for $24.99 a month and get three Blu-ray blood soakers and an exclusive each month. There, now you've made up your mind. Or I have. HorrorPack.com for the best scare anywhere. Hello once again, folks. It's time for Achieving Reality Film School. This week, we have, from Shadow Pictures, Ray Kermani. He did the little short in her shoes. It was absolutely adorable. The little girl in it won an uh, award for Best Actress in a Short, I believe. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Achieving Reality Film School. Everybody, welcome to Achieving Reality, the podcast at the Women in Horror Film Festival here at the Strand in Marietta, Georgia. Today we have Ray Kermani with Shadow Pictures, and he did In Her Shoes, uh, which was a great little number. We that saw was, that last night. Yeah, we saw it last night in the shorts section, uh, Out of This World, I think they no, called it. Supernatural. Su- supernatural? Supernatural block. So uh, that was really good. No, it was Not of This World block. Nah. That's it right. still has a supernatural theme. Whatever. So, but no spoilers. We uh, we brought him in to give us a talk about it, kind of like your uh, little bit from the uh, Q and A at the very end there. Uh, why don't you give us a little explanation about it? Uh, basically, it's uh, it's a really short movie, five minutes, uh, about a little girl, a seven year old girl, who's in a cemetery, and she's get uh, she gets uh, distracted by a little pair of shoes, uh, her size. And, uh, you know, the, the shoes, they lead her to an old crypt, a mausoleum, really down in the cemetery. So she follows the shoes, and uh, just to find out that, you know, the, their bad intentions, it was like more demonic shoes, if you want, you know. At a certain point, she gets possessed by, you know, by putting on the shoes. And that's basically the, the, the whole plot, if you want. No, there's still a twist to the end, so we won't give yeah, that, there's yeah, there is that a twist away. To we the won't end. give that away. I do got to say... Loved the scream at the end before she ran back up the stairs. That was just amazing, and I, I kind of wanted to know because I know it was it had to have been mixed with something. What'd you make it out of? That's actually um, 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 three different kids screaming. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm the worst nightmare of any sound recorder or sound engineer because once the movie is done and they call me to watch it. 
the first thing I see on the phone, it's not done. No, it's done. You should you should come and check it out. It's done. I said, I'm coming, but it's not done. And once you get there and you, no, it's not done. I said, we could do better. Um, you always can do better. So we re-recorded the scream with three different children and we, we mixed actually the three voices. Yeah. A, a little four-year-old boy who did actually most of the voices, Jan Huismans, and um, two, uh, a seven-year-old girl and a Romy herself. So that's uh, the three voices. Yeah, it was it was incredibly creepy. Of course, that's a big thing for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, we we actually really enjoyed the film. Thank you. That's 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 a really yeah, but that's honor. That's basically as a filmmaker, you wanted to please the audience, and if you guys liked it, then uh, then uh, good. <laughs> well, it has a, a great look to it, but it also has a look that's not something you see much up here. It's the look is kind of realistic. Everything you're seeing looks like it would look in the real world. But it's, it's not overly dressed. It's not overly stylized. And I think it adds to the creepiness of the movie. When we were talking to you yesterday, you said the stairs down were really in that mausoleum, which really weirds us out because typically you we don't, don't have a lot do, of underground. Yeah, and you don't do that here. So there wouldn't be, like you said, you know, five guys staring at you while you're filming it. No, it'd be, okay, you got the outside, now go build a stairway somewhere else. They might do that a little bit more up north, but here we're kind of lower to sea level. So, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. So we yeah, don't if do you did lot. that in Florida or Louisiana, you'd be drowning. Yeah. <laughs> That's why uh, with the Crawl, the movie, yeah. uh, apparently there was a big goof because there are no cellars in, in Florida. So right. I heard. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no, no, so no with, basements with, with or crawl, cellars. And, they did make a cellar for mm-hmm. yeah, a basement. So. <laughs> well, I mean, there are artificial hills. So some houses have them, but it's very, very rare, and they tack on a big chunk of money. Like here in this area, you will have basements. Yeah, because we're more hilly. Because we're not as close to the sea level, but we still have rivers and whatnot. So you might get overflown. Here. Yeah, but that was one of the things when we saw the movie. We were talking. I was like, "Hey, I wonder where he shot those stairs." In the same place. It didn't even occur to us that it was at its cemetery. That's. Uh, I think location is so important for a horror movie and. That's how we start. We always start with a location. So we found a cemetery and we said, we have to do something with that cemetery, with that specific mausoleum. And then um, everything kind of fit together. Three days later or four days later, I'm not sure, three or four days later, we met uh, Romy, our little actress, and Ines Winners, uh, who couldn't afford, uh, unfortunately be here, uh, who was uh, the writer of uh, In Her Shoes. She said, remember the basement, the mausoleum, the cemetery? And then we went back home and... Half an hour it took us to write the story, but because it's been five minutes, so yeah. And when I'm saying it took us half an hour, it's, it's five minutes. It's 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 basically just shoes following the little kid. Actually, that, it's that's, not like that's, a really dialogue-heavy movie. Exactly. Yeah. That's what that the tagline is: the shoes follow you. That that was basically the story. And three weeks later, we were set. We we start shooting in the morning, and we shot everything in one day, and everything was shot naturally, so with natural light. And luckily for us, it was a cloudy day. Oh, the, the weather gods were on our side and it didn't rain because where I come from, Belgium, is a, it rains all the time. So yeah. that windy and rainy. You must feel at home right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, hmm, it feels like home. So everything was shot in one day. We also had a tight schedule because Romy is actually a um, professional model. She's doing photo shoots all the time. So we only had one day and everything was set on that one day and everything had to be shot on one day so we didn't have a spare day because she came from uh, all the way from Amsterdam oh wow yeah she's Dutch 
And uh, it was a four-hour drive for her and her mother. And uh, so they stayed in a hotel nearby the cemetery. In the morning, we picked them up. Uh, we shot it. And the same evening, they, they went back home. That just sounded creepy. Oh, they stayed in a hotel right there by the cemetery. Yeah, it was, it was like a five-minute walk. <laughs> I, I, I can't really say anything. We have a cemetery in the States that it's a clown hotel right next to a cemetery. And they say it's haunted. So, really? Yeah. So I should go visit it after this interview? Well, no, it's it's not here. Ah. It's, I think, Vegas or something like that. But uh, it's, it's creepy. So I want to stay there. But... Uh, I keep getting a no from my better half. Why? She doesn't want to stay in a oh. clown hotel. Three years ago, we did a road trip. Uh, we went to seven states. We did Louisiana. We did uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, and uh, Savannah. Savannah. Savannah is uh, very haunted. Uh, yes, haunted. And um, we also went, I don't know where it was. It was near uh, New Orleans, uh, near Biloxi, I think. or uh, I don't know. And it was a, a haunted plantation. Yeah, yeah, Louisiana's got a lot of haunts, yeah. too. so we did all that. And Mississippi's got a lot as well. Uh, there's a place here in Georgia, the, there, and this will be for another time you come back in. Uh, it's called Americus, and we have a Civil War internment camp down there. And you, it's haunted. It's haunted? Yeah, yeah, and they have it so you can kind of see what it looked like because it, of course, rotted away. But they rebuilt parts of it so you can see it and everything. And it's, it's haunted. It's haunted by people who were there and then a priest who comes in and does last rites. And when he shows up, it smells like rotting flesh. Really? Yeah. It's that, creepy. That's what they say. Nice. Well, no. Oh, I haven't. It, it I does. Haven't, I haven't been there. Again. Nice. I have. And I've been there. And I. Is it far from here? Three hours? It's about two and a half, three hours from here. So, But it's something that you want to go and spend some time in. And then you get to learn a little bit more about American history as well. Yeah, exactly. Our wonderful time of the Civil War. Yeah, yeah something we're very proud of here. Or, some, or the War of Northern Aggression. <laughs> There's this one scene in, the, in your movie where she's running away. We already talked about you know, the shoes. And she rounds the corner, and the shoes have cut her off. Now, I've seen this scene in horror movie after horror movie. But for some reason, with the shoes, it's so much more effective. You see the bad guy cuts off the hero in all these movies. But in this instance, it works so well. We're, at least here, we're trained when we're watching the horror movie that the bad guy's going to get the upper hand. The bad guy's going to get the upper hand. At some you, point. You expect that anytime anybody rounds the corner, there's something waiting for him. But we're not expecting... A pair of shoes. Right. Something as minimalist as that. Well, that and, and, and they were cute little shoes. You would not expect that. So, yeah, that's, that's what got me from that same scene. They were just these adorable little shoes... Yet, they're evil. <laughs> There's a lot of haunted doll movies where the doll comes to life. And there was one I think they did for Tales from the Dark Side, I want to say. Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Where they have the haunted doll, but you never see it move. It's like in one scene, it'll be in one place, and the person will turn around and do something, and then they turn back around, and it's moved. But, you, doll, but you never see it. Just move. like uh, the boy, mm -hmm. the first one. So There's like the scene where the person's hiding in a room. And the doll's out in the hallway, and she looks through the keyhole, and every time she looks through the keyhole, the doll's a little closer. And then the last time she looks through the keyhole, you just see the doll's eye looking through the keyhole, but you never see it move. It's so much more effective than all the other when you just show it. That's basically, we, we, we work on no budget at all. So we try to we make... Know. Yeah, so we, that's, that's, that's my... And, and I always work with the same producer and a co-writer, which is actually my wife. 
Yeah, so you guys know that too, huh? <laughs> uh, but Ines is, she's not a horror fan. She actually dislikes horror, and that's what makes her great in writing horror. She's not beholden to all and she's the not as cliche minded as, as I would be because you know I, I I bring up ideas. She said no, nah, that doesn't sound logic. I wouldn't do that. So she, every time I come up with something cliche soundish, she destroys it. She said no, we don't need that. So we we work on on no budget at all, and we try to make something with nothing. So you know you guys know that. Yeah, it's, it's we, hard. We've it's done always, that quite a few times. It's always hard to do that. And, and just one night, uh, she looked at the shoes. And she said, we need to do something with those tiny little shoes. Because th- that was the, the pair of shoes she fell in love with when she was a kid. She, she grew up in Spain. And her parents never bought a pair of shoes she fell in love with. And so two years ago, her mommy came back from uh, Spain. And she did bring the pair of shoes she always wanted. And she, she, she offered it to her. And then she was so proud of their shoes. But, you know, they didn't fit anymore. And uh, the pair of shoes were on a, on a salon table. And we were sitting on the couch and looking at it. And she said, we need to do something with these shoes. And that's we, we actually made three movies with shoes. So this is actually the third part, the final part of the shoes. It's a trilogy. Oh, wow. so it's, a, it's, a, it's a shoes trilogy, if you want. All three are actually made as a pitch to, for a screenplay. We, we wrote a screenplay last mm-hmm. year in, in April. Now it's in the film festival circuit. And we already had three awards with the screenplay okay. and a few nominations. And in May this year, we're going to um, pull it out the circuit. And then hopefully we could convince a production company to, to make the feature film with shoes. So that's uh, so everything is ready. We get the three um, short films, we get the screenplay, and we get um, you know, the whole synopsis, treatment, everything. So everything is finished. This movie will definitely help in that regard because it's a good... It's I mean, apart from being a good short film, it's a good proof of concept, too. Well, the first one we uh, introduced to 40 film festivals, and we got selected 39 times. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah, so only one rejection, and that was in our home country, Belgium. <laughs> yes. And That's uh, all political, is I don't know what it is. It's, they, it's, they, it's, they it's, it's really depressing. It's really depressing, too. Well, like you were saying downstairs earlier, the only movies they like in Belgium are it's, dramas. They did, and always with the same actors, as always with the same... We, ha- we only have five directors, and they only make drama and i'm a persona non grata because i make horror because that's so out of the world horror is not belgian style no we only make drama gives you a good excuse to go to italy they love horror yeah and then i, I and am very feature. very uh, um inspired by the giallo style because the first shoes i used the giallo style the first one i'm gonna send you guys the links oh, the please do and um she, she's wearing a red dress and i used blue light as for the moon and and this this really giallo style the, the first shoes, the second part we didn't introduce to any film festivals, and on this one inner shoes we started last year in 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 April till May this year so we're gonna just a year and so far we had a uh, thirty seven selections we had nine awards no eleven awards sorry and uh, sixty nominations for best uh, best film. And Romy, our little actress, she already has won three uh, awards for Best Actress. Oh, she was great, though. She, she, man, I love her. She is so good. And she makes the whole movie, in my opinion. She is the whole movie. Basically. Yeah, basically, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all about her. It's her character. Although I did have that moment at, at the beginning where she, when she runs off from her mother, I'm like, I'm so mad at the mother. Not paying attention to her child. She was focused on herself, the mom. She, and, 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 and well, that, I, that took it that she was grief-stricken. Yeah. But you know, we had so much that sort of thing around here. It's like 
Yeah, that's the thing. And this is like, I can't believe you let your kid run off like that. And then I get to think, well, it doesn't really matter because it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I kid myself, um, they're gone in a second. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're gone in a fucking second if you don't care. If you don't, uh, not care, I'm sorry, if you don't uh, pay attention. So that was, uh, uh, that's... that's. Um, yeah, my mom used to complain about that, about me all the time. We'd go to the mall. Poof, you're gone. And yeah, she's like, I want to look at this. And that's it. It'd be the opposite for me. We'd be at the store and I would stop to look at something that turn around and the mom would be gone. And I'm running through the store by myself looking like a delinquent child because my mom walked off. You were a delinquent child. Not. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> and I'm more delinquent now than I was then. Yeah. I'll, I'll attest to that. So is the screenplay going to be one narrative or is it a series of No, stories? no, it's, it's one narrative. It starts in India. Um, uh, an old man, an old uh, British, American, Canadian, just an old, let's say, Western man. Old foreign guy. He's um, he gets uh, a pair of shoes in his hands, an old pair of shoes from um, a little homeless kid who steals that from a from a shrine somewhere, and she sells the shoes to the guy, and so the guy takes it back to the U.S. and then uh, he starts collecting old stuff like that, and then the day he he passes away, when the day he dies, his daughter who has two kids. Um, she comes to uh, you know to support the mother or uh, I just say it to uh, the mother the mom is in grief so she she comes to spend the summer uh, with her mommy and her two little daughters and uh, one of her daughters has uh, had an accident so she's visually impaired so she's not able to see so that's we we try to do it on the voices and the, the tapping of the shoes that's um, uh, very that's, cool yeah it works very well I hope so and uh, everything is done and uh, now we hopefully. From May, we're going to start uh, looking for a, a production company just, just to get it made. Well, good luck with that because the short already shows that it, the concept works. And if that doesn't work, I don't know what. Because if you show them that, like, look, we've been shown in 25 countries and we have so many awards and selection. Can we not please make it pretty please? I'm begging make a movie because it might work. You know, if, if you well, look it does at, work. But if you look at all the uh, new movies, all the Conjuring universe, uh, don't get me wrong. The Conjuring 1 and 2 are awesome. Oh, yeah. did, uh, I love them. The Curse of La Llorona, The Nun, uh, Annabelle, the, the first and the last. If those movies get made, then why shouldn't an independent movie on shoes not get made? So you see? Well, you have the movies like um, Hereditary and Midsommar. They're, they're more atmospheric and less you know, gore-driven. And that, that some of that, I believe, is because they're really wanting to capture that um, PG-13 audience. They can't make the R-rated movies and get those younger people in. So they're taming back the visual horror and going with more of the atmospheric horror. So it might be an excellent time. I hope so. It reminds me of watching like Tales from the Dark Side and, and the older yeah um, the old horror, compilation horror, horror shorts. Kind of thing. I'm a I'm a huge '80s fan, '70s too, but I'm a I'm a huge '80s fan. Well, like I said it, uh, fit, it fits right in with that Tales from the Dark Side feel. Yeah. My biggest inspiration is John Carpenter. Obviously, oh, very good. that's that's, that's I, I think you, you kind of see that in my in my short movies. Well, especially um, that, that shot looking up the stairwell, yeah, where you can see what's yes. going on outside. And then you did actually the point of view of the demon downstairs mm -hmm. when she's coming down. She's looking into the cellar, and on the other side, actually, we see the point of view of the demon or whatever it is looking at her, and uh, and she goes there, so she actually goes to the danger. Well, it reminds and, me of like in the thing where you're you're the camera's inside the burned out research station and you're looking out at the main characters coming in it looks like a pov shot but there's nothing inside to be watching them i think atmosphere is so important 
that's yeah. that's the, that's why John Carpenter succeeds in doing his what he's doing. He's so good in in creating atmosphere. I think my favorite horror movie director, or no, my favorite the director, is John Carpenter. Did you see Cigarette Burns? Yes. What did you think of that one? I know short it, and powerful. Because I know it didn't play as well here. People were not well, well, used I, to seeing that I kind of movie from it's, Carpenter. It's, it's more for the fans. The fans would love it. If you're a Carpenter fan, of course you would like it. Uh, I know uh, a, a lot of horror. You know, you know. Sometimes horror fans could be really harsh. Yes, they could be harsh, and if they don't like it, they they destroy the movie. And I know a lot of people destroyed Cigarette Burns for some unknown reason. It's more conceptual horror than it is actual horror. Just like the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, oh, there are a lot I of people that it. don't like it. I, I don't understand. How could you not like the and Mouth Jacob's of Ladder? Yeah, come on. And uh, they live, which is still so actual. Oh, oh yeah, they I live. love that one. That's my favorite one. That's one of my that favorites by him. That and the mind thing. blowing. Obey, consume. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's plus that's, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, and on the ten minute fight scene with Keith, 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 uh, Keith David. There's so many good things out there, but uh, that Ghosts from Mars or, or uh, you know. But to be fair, fair Prince of Darkness is not his best work. <laughs> no, but it was I good. Li- I like elements of that movie. I like the concept. I just don't think it hangs together as well as it could. But Mouth of Madness, I adore that movie. He he, punched in the face like wow. Did you like uh, um, the, the short film he made in um, in Body Bags? Did you see Body Bags? I don't know if I saw that. You're gonna love that because that's so atmospheric. Which one is that one? Uh, the first one, the, the 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 girl in the gas station. I know I've seen it. It's on YouTube actually. Can, you can, I'll have you can to watch, watch the whole thing on YouTube. I'll have, I'll have to do that. Or I may have that confused with something. Body else. bags, and it, it, it's John Carpenter place in a mor- mortuary in a, in a morgue. I remember oh, so, yeah, them making does, a big does, deal. Yeah, he does the wraparound story. He does the wraparound yeah, yeah. and introduces. And the first one he did him himself. And there's also a cameo of Wes Craven, and then the, the one with the eye, and then the other one is with the with the hair. Yeah, the hair, hair implantation that goes wrong. The hair live, uh, and on the, the other one was uh, the Mark Hamill. With a with an eye, yeah, the eye uh, okay. transplantation. Uh, it's been a while, but I, I remember yeah, the movie. Body bags is, is is one of my favorite uh, carpenters. I think it didn't get theatrical here. I think it only was shown on TV. I had to go back and watch it now. Either way, so it doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, I got I got to watch. No, it. body bags is uh, I could definitely you should watch it. Yeah, I might watch that tonight after I get home when I'm laying on the couch trying to go to sleep. Carpenter, Christine. I love Christine. I want that car. <laughs> Not so that bad. car. Not that car. No, I want that car. <laughs> I don't want a specific car. How much could you save on insurance with that, though? That it's already destroyed, or the or the, or the fully the fully working one. Well, it uh, fixes itself, doesn't the it? The fully work. Well, it's supposed to, yeah. And the assault on Precinct Thirteen. Wow, the first one, not not the remake. No, the yeah. first one was mind blowing. The, the the whole idea they're locked in a house and the mobsters trying to get in just to free their buddy. I know it's so it's so minimalistic. He, that's that's what he does. That's his specialty. I mean, I love the big budget extravaganzas, but you relate so much more to it when it's that minimalistic, it's that tight, you don't have a lot of fancy stuff going on. It brings it home so much better. Now, I don't want to sound mathematic about it, but I figured out the, the paste for making a, a horror movie. The pace? There's a... The beats. The beats. Oh, oh, yeah. And that's what I do in my, in my editing one, two, three, four. And that's the, the way they move. It's like three steps, one cut. And then I cut from the point of view. Three steps, I cut, and then the shot in the front. 
So that's what I try to do. There's that's something mathematic about it. And just to build up to the to the scare. And there's something I really um, always try to avoid is, is a cheap scare. It's like the cat or someone behind it or, or boo. No, no, terrible. And just the sound goes and, you know, thrills you just because of the sound is so loud. That, that's, that's something I, I never use in my projects. But there's a paste in it. There's a, a rhythm. I never really thought about that. When I, when I look at a movie, I uh, all the time watch it four times. The first time I look at it as, a, as an audience, like, yeah. The, the second time I go for the voice, for the, for the sound, and, and, and then I'm only focused on, on, on how to do the sound. The third time I go for the, the cuts, the editing. And, and, and the fourth time I go, it's just like to make uh, the whole thing again, keeping in mind the story, the editing. And James Wan, he's the guy who, who came up with that concept, I'm sure, because all my movies are James Wan-ish. That's what he does with his cuts. He, he, he found the, the formula, actually. And that's the formula that works. There are certain editors that will cut to music. They will have a, a piece of music and they will cut the film to that music. Then they'll remove the music. And I think, I think the idea behind it is, is that subconsciously you get used to a certain rhythm of the movie. Then when you break that rhythm, the scare is that much more effective. I think as a, as a director, how could you not edit your own movie? You have to edit your own movie. That's, that's my opinion. You're, you're a director, but your job doesn't stop there. Once you're in the editing room, you're, you're doing your second part of directing, and that's your cuts. I don't understand some directors, they wrap up the movie and they go home, and they do a bunch of other people do their... Not him. So you do it also yourself? Mm -hmm. So yep. you understand what I mean, right? Yeah, unfortunately. I understand the concept, though, when sometimes when you remove the director from that process, the editor can enhance what's good about the movie. Like George Lucas, when he made Star Wars, it's pretty much agreed that Star Wars was saved in the editing. But the movie, the way the movie moves and feels is not necessarily what he shot. Sometimes it can help to take that person away because they are so... Too, uh, too attached. To the well, act. they're too attached and they're, they're in love with everything. They want to keep everything. Oh, I don't want that shot out. I don't want that shot out. No, but, but... But then you look at the whole thing together and it's just a slog. It just does not move. But, but we don't know anybody who would do that. Me, on the other hand, I like to kill my babies. <laughs> now, if, 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 if you think that's the best shot ever... But it doesn't fit the, the edit. It, it goes out. And then, and then everybody else said, what, what, that was the best shot ever. I said, yeah, but it needs to get out. Actually, we did one a while back. I inserted a shot that wasn't supposed to be in the movie to kind of save the movie because we didn't have anything to cut to in between the, the main part of the action and the climax. There was a bit where the camera guy had just left the camera on while they were resetting the shot. And the main actor is just walking up a hill to get back in position. And I had put that shot into the movie so it has something to cut to between the two segments. So he's not actually acting or anything, but he's walking up a hill. And it's like, there, I'll use that. That'll yeah, you work. Know, you know, um, James Wan did that in Saw because they only had $1 million. For, for me, you could do so much with $1 million. But <laughs> they only had $1 million. And um, once the movie was done, he did a lot of reshoots by using the, the security cam just to cut because he didn't have enough have time to wrap up the film. They, they, they were on a really short schedule. He only had, uh, I think, 30 days of shooting. You can tell with that because it seems really frenetic. Yeah. And it helps. And yeah. it, in the end, he said, well, I, I don't have enough shots to cut. So then they did reshots, but uh, from the point of view of the security camp. So you should check it out. I did that once with a, a movie we were working on. One of the cameras was not set right. So all the footage came back grainy and looking harsh. And I was like, why don't we just make that a security camera? 
because it's about a guy who's holding somebody hostage. So why don't we make that like a security camera so we can use this footage and it has a reason for looking bad because we need the footage. Because we can't go back and reshoot it, so no, you can't. So you you have to be creative and, and you know. So we just added some graphics over it. That's time stamp I, I guess that's 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 our strength, right? Being independent, zero budget movie makers, you have to be creative. Yeah, you have to salvage what you have and work with what you have. Yeah. I think that ends up making you, if you can get into the mainstream, I think that ends up making you a better mainstream in the long run, anyway. I'm a huge fan of uh, you might know him, Sandberg, the Swedish guy who did Annabelle uh, oh, Creation. Yeah. And uh, did you, you should check out his movie, his short ones he makes on. He makes three three minute short films on YouTube, and that's oh. how he got famous actually with Lights Out. But when he did, he did the the future Lights Out, is not as effective as as the short. The short is like not even two minutes. The short is really fucking creepy. It's it's awesome. And then that's how he got to do uh, the future of Lights Out. Mm. But then millions of dollars, few producers behind your back, and 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 that's when it's you know. You have four or five people going. No, no, I don't. No, know. Yes, no, no. could you? I wouldn't no, do that. No. I've, I'm experienced more like you, and, and no, no, I, no, I wouldn't do that. I would love to see, you know, guy. one of the, one of the people like you, the independent person who's been doing it for a while, you know, knows what they're doing. Have a studio come in and say, "Here's two million dollars, come back with a movie, and just leave them alone." That's what Blumhouse does. So Jason Blum, he gives you the money, and he said, "You do whatever you need to do, but I'm not going to pay you." So you just do that on your spare time if you want. And he says, if it if it's successful, well, you, we all get a profit. And if it's not, <laughs> sorry. But apparently, he gives you the, um, the the full creativity as a director. He he lets you do your own shit. All right. So we need to get a hold of him. Yeah, yeah. But the downside of Blumhouse is that you don't get paid first of all, and second of all, he buys a lot of scripts, and nine out of ten don't even make it. Well, we're not getting paid now, so big deal. Yeah. So that part won't matter, and we'll give him the script. Yeah. <laughs> As long as he lets us do it. Yeah, but he gives you full creativity. It's like, do your thing. But he's also one of the ones that they tend to try and market more towards the PG-13 audience. I mean, not obviously not all their stuff, but I mean, that's where the money is. Yes, that's what most of the people are, are, are kids going to the movies. Right. But when I was a kid, we we wouldn't go see a movie if it was PG. It's like, no, no, that's for kids. We want to go see the R-rated movies. I can't say anything. That's how it always worked. I always had to go to the PG ones, so I didn't start going to R until later. I had older brothers. Yeah, I nice. <laughs> Living in Belgium and not getting recognized in Belgium by anyone, and having these these shorts made as a pitch and a scenario, the screenplay. How do you get from Belgium anywhere to you know? So it's it's an honor to be here today, to be here at this film festival. Just to be as, as a nobody from Belgium whose movie is being shown in, in a Strand Theater in Marietta. And people watched it and they like it. It's like, you're so fortunate to be here. This is amazing. And thank you for liking it. Because, you know, at, at the end of the, the day, uh, as a filmmaker, you, you guys know what? You just want to please the audience. Mm -hmm. You're making it for the audience. I'm not making it for myself. One of our movies is in the, the Southern Shorts Awards down here. One of the judges came up to me after the screening was like, I just want to say, you know, I really enjoyed what you did there. You know, you know, it was a very simplistic movie, but he was very complimentary. And that meant like the world to me. I didn't really care about, you know, if we could take the trophy home or not. Some man in that audience, and he was a judge, really liked the movie. And several other people had come up to us because it's all about acting and what actors go through. One of the people from one of the local acting schools came up and said, would you mind if I showed this to our school? I'm like, Please do. Hell yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the link. Show them all you want. 
what we, we need to do is at the end of the the interview we should exchange um and i want to see if oh I yeah absolutely if, 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 oh, yeah. if i may of course i'd love to see your shorts that's what it's for and, uh, and i'm gonna send you my links my youtube private youtube links so you can watch it too oh perfect he wants to see your shorts yeah i gotta watch out with things i say because <laughs> no no it's just me <laughs> oh, okay. it's just him it's, it's what i do it's just larry yeah it is all right so well uh, let's give this a, a, a wrap up uh once again thank you very much it's great having you in here thank you for having me we like i said we love the movie it's it being a, it a great little interview and um we hope you enjoy the rest of the festival and uh you know thank you very much thank you very much Thank you. And there it was. Another wonderful interview by Chris and Larry for Achieving Reality Film School. All right, so that was Ray Kermani with In Her Shoes from Shadow Pictures. Hope you enjoyed it. Ray is a really great guy. We ended up spending quite a bit of the weekend just chatting with him before and after the interview. All right, so tune in next time for another Achieving Reality Film School. Hey everybody, Larry here from Achieving Reality the Podcast. So you've missed the last few episodes, have you? That's cool. We got you covered now. That's right, Achieving Reality the Podcast is now on Spotify. Nice, right? So now you can listen to us on Podbean, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, and Spotify. We're growing and growing. I mean, wow. Follow us on Facebook and give us a listen on all of our new platforms and our old platforms. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Achieving Reality, the podcast. See you soon.